Hello everyone, this is Yule Strate. Today marks the beginning of a Skills for Mars series called Transitions. I have been asked to have more discussions on change and change agility as one of the essential skills in the future of work. As I wondered who could best talk about self-transformation and reinvention, I decided that the most fit will be the people who are going through change as we speak, or people who have gone through it and were successful or have failed. My hope is that these discussions will motivate you to forge your own unique journey, no matter the difficulty. The difference should be that you will know firsthand what to expect and will have higher chances of success because you can prepare. My first guest on Skills for Mars Transitions is Kate. Kate is a speech pathologist who has experienced change throughout her life. We will discuss about adapting to new environments, new languages, new cultures and careers, about finding meaning in what you're doing and believing in yourself throughout the change journey. If you do find these types of conversations useful, you can support the podcast by subscribing to it. To access the video podcast and subscribe for free to my YouTube channel, go to youtube.com, type in Skills for Mars and hit the subscribe button. Alternatively, you can go to my website, yulaystrata.com forward slash Skills for Mars and click the YouTube Confirm Your Subscription button. And now I give you Kate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Skills for Mars podcast. Today, I'm welcoming Kate, and we are opening a new chapter of the Skills for Mars discussions, which is called Transitions. Kate, welcome to the podcast, and thanks for agreeing to discuss about changes you've been through in your life. You're welcome, Yulia. Before we dive into the details of change, can you tell us a bit about yourself and maybe share in big lines the kind of changes you've been through in your life? Sure. So I will start, I guess, at the beginning. Um, born in a small town in central Illinois, which is in the United States, and it was called Crescent City, Illinois. So a town of 630 people when we moved out 625 <laughs> because we had five in our family. And so that's in the middle of a cornfield, um, 360 views. You can see all around corn, beans. Um, so that little town, I uh, started in. And when I was 12 years old, um, you know, 11, 12 years old, we moved to Fairbury, Illinois. So population 3000, uh, or 3,600 people, um, didn't have a stoplight when we moved there, had a stoplight when we moved out. Uh, that's how small it is. A couple little bars, gas station, little grocery store. Um, so yeah, so, but it was a big change moving from a town of 635 to 3000, you know, that was a, a big change, um, and add a pretty influential part of my life. So, um, what age was that? That was so at like 11, 12. Okay. So I was going into, um, seventh grade. Um, and then after that, we moved to, um, or we didn't move. My family didn't move. I went to, um, college at Illinois college in Jacksonville, Illinois, a small little, uh, college, like 900 kids. And then after my freshman year, um, craving a little bit bigger scene, I went to the U university of Illinois. So a huge college, um, tens of thousands of kids and, um, still in Illinois, but, uh, a big university. So that was a big change with a lot of culture. And then after, uh, university of Illinois, um, moved to St. Louis. So kind of a bigger Midwestern city. And then after St. Louis, uh, I got married in St. Louis to my husband, Nick, and we moved to Ithaca, New York, uh, lived there for a year. So that's a small town in upstate New York, um, but a change outside of Illinois. And then after that, we moved back to Chicago and that's where we had our kids. So Tommy and Johnny were born in Chicago. In Chicago. And then we moved to London after that when they were three and five. <laughs> and then uh, they, we spent three and a half years there and now we're in Singapore. So we've kind of just, my mom makes a joke. You can't get farther away now. You've just slowly, you've gone a little farther and a little farther. And, you know, as you grow up, you just, you want your kids to go far. But now I'm basically on the other side of the world. So you can't get much farther away. So pretty much every three and a half, four years moving around the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I asked you before, is Africa next or? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. That, that's what, that's what's missing in the portfolio. Yes, right? I know, or, yeah. or, or Latin America yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it could be, we don't know. We'll see where life takes us, but, um, we like adventure, but we do with the kids, you know, there's, 
we get torn because there's part of us that wants to have them have the same upbringing, you know, kind of where I came from because I, I felt like it was a really cool place to grow up. Um, I think a really interesting thing is that you always want something different for your kids. So my parents coming from a small town, you know, when I moved to Chicago suburb, that was something different. And then, um, you know, and you, or you want something better. So that was better. But at the same time, you kind of want them to come when they have kids and they, you want them to raise their family kind of like you did. So now it's kind of with, you know, Nick's parents and my parents, they feel like, is this too far? Is it too much? Is it, you know, they want so much for us, but now we're on the other side of the world and with everything going on in the world, I think they think right now it's a little too, the, too much. Are, yeah. yeah. But what I've seen from other families with kids moving around is that they get, they gain this uh, openness to experience skill, which other kids that stay in the same place, they don't really have. And uh, what I heard, so this, I, because I don't have kids, is that you can move them around up to a certain age, mm -hmm. but when they start forming bonds, it becomes more and more difficult. But by that time, they would have traveled the world. They yeah. would have met different cultures, uh, discussed with uh, yeah different different people, mm -hmm. heard different opinions. Understand yeah. that this is uh, yeah yeah just, I totally agree. It's not only their opinion. Yeah yeah, yeah. so that's what uh, you know in all the circles because I'm in all the been in many mom circles, you know, in the world. And that's the thing people say, you know, you want to settle by the time they're this age or this age, everyone has like a hard age and our hard age was second grade. Well, now Tommy, our oldest is in fifth grade. So we're kind of not settled yet. Um, I do feel like the friendship, the, their bonds are really strong now. And I've seen them, you know, grieve their friends that leave just in the past couple years coming here. We had a couple of good friends that left last year. You know, they were here with the, us the first two years and you can see that, um, you know, that was a huge deal for them because it's something, somebody they're around every day. And with my life, I've kind of learned to do that and I've learned to keep in touch with friends. And, um, you know, I know that that's just how life is, but I think they're just learning that for the first time. So I think it's hard to watch them go through it. And we, we talk about this all the time as parents. We think, is this, is this a good lifestyle for them to be changing every three years, three and a half years? And, um, no one really has the right answer. I think when I look back at that, what shaped my life, like I said before, I was in a small town, a small farm town. And I think about, I'm moving, you know, even if it was from one small town to another one, I let all my friends behind. I was 12 years old. It's such an impressionable age. And I went to a new place, but I, it was so scary. And I remember, you know, the days and I remember the nights and it's so vivid, but I think it really shapes you because when you do that at such a young age, then you've already, it's like, you know, learning to fly an airplane at such a long, young, yeah, young age, you're good, you're good at it. So yeah. then it wasn't scary to go to a bigger university. It wasn't that scary to do this. It wasn't, you kind of, you learn to change, mm -hmm. you know, at an early age and then you get that confidence and you know, it's going to be okay, even if there's change. So, yeah. So hopefully it's good. But on the other hand, it's, I think it's hard for anyone to know because this world has become more and more global, mm -hmm. right? And the travel, we're traveling way more easier than right. our parents did and our grandparents did. Right. So who can tell us if it's good or bad? We just have to try it and, uh, right. and hope for the best. Right. But so far what I've seen in people who have traveled and have spent their, uh, yeah, even for young age traveling, mm -hmm. when they be, when they go into the world of work afterwards, they are more open to try new things, to risk things. They they have different ideas. They listen to others. Right. So it feels like it does something good. Yeah. A more worldly view. Yeah. Kind exactly. of. Yeah. So yeah. I definitely agree. Um, I think that the kids, our kids have been around. When we were in London, we had, we were the only Americans, maybe one or two other American families at our entire school, mm -hmm. but mostly European families, some Asian families. Um you know, we were, so that was eye opening and that was just kind of their first school experience. They had a little bit when we were in Connecticut, but then, um, moving here, we have more Americans, but then also all the other Asian cultures that, you know, so they've been exposed to many, many cultures. Um, I can definitely, you know, when people talk about, do they see color of skin? They don't really, you know, if they're talking about someone and referencing someone, they may say, Oh, it's my kid, my friend, the Indian, you know, he has yeah. Indian dad and Chinese mom or whatever. And that, you know, we talk about it in that terms, but in terms of, um, 
you know, I think they are a little bit living outside of the U S because it's such a big topic in the U S uh, racism and things like that. It's not something we talk about a lot here because it's not as big as of an issue because yeah. everybody's a different color and everybody's, you know, we don't, I don't know if it's the nature of the school of the country. I don't know, but it just doesn't seem, I feel like when they go back, we're going to have to explain a lot of things to them if we go back. So, yeah, but, uh, but all, but I, in my view, I think it's good when you don't talk about racism and yeah. don't put people in, in, in boxes, because right. if you don't talk about it and you just accept people around, I don't think it exists anymore. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. 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 Whether you are from uh, the other block or you are Indian or whatever, it just feels the same. It's right. the same kind of talk. It doesn't have any kind yeah. of meaning behind, right. behind this. So, um, right. And I think, you know, just the nature of people that are in theory, mm -hmm. that's what I think happens here. I think that's people, you know, we're just around the race, different races and we don't, we just accept it and that's just how it is. Um, and in theory, I think it should work like that. And I think, but I think when you get back to the yep. United States, obviously, and I'm sure other countries as well, I didn't experience so much in the UK, but I was at two toddlers, so I didn't get out much. How did it feel for you? Because you moved from the U S to Europe and now you moved here. So not from the kid's perspective, mm -hmm. but from your perspective, how did it feel? Um, I think. Just with the people. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, I felt so going from the U S to Europe, I felt like I was going almost to a, not a home, but a, such a familiar place. I would pinch myself every day. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't believe I live here and I don't, it's something in the, I think it has to do with genetics. Obviously the people look like me, so I didn't get really get homesick. Um, and I, you know, I loved, I could listen to their accent all day. Cause I really, you know, we like the English accent and it was just fun, you know, from being in the U S I think I love change and it like, you know, just, it was just another change and it was such a big change. And I, I just embraced it and I, I loved it. I loved every minute and it had to do with my kids too. We're at really good ages. They were at three and five. So, um, you know, we're just coming out of like getting our head out of the ground with diapers and all that stuff. And, um, we moved there in the spring and it was so many sunny days yeah. and we loved every and the minute. days are long because yes. it's, it's north. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. really nice. It was amazing. <laughs> but I felt like there was genetics there that were inviting mm -hmm. me back. Like, I feel like, you know, my, my roots came from Europe and Scandinavia and, um, there. So I felt like these people were like me and, we really enjoyed it. And then when we transferred here and came to Asia, I remember getting really homesick the first couple of weeks because that, you know, the accent's different. It wasn't mm -hmm. as pleasant for my ear to listen to because I had never heard accents like that. And the people looked different. I think that's what, not that I didn't, you know, appreciate the people for who they are. And now I do. And I see more of the culture and I, you know, enjoy getting to learn about it, but it was scary in a way because mm -hmm. you don't really have people that look like you around. And for the first time in my life, I was in, um, looks wise, I was very much in a minority. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what made it homesick and knowing that I was so, that much farther away yeah, I'm from sure you're all of our like family. You're exotic here. Yes. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so when people look at me, I'm the different one now. Uh -huh. So, Can you, you know, take a photo with you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And we've had that too. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, you know, that was, it was really hard coming here. And then I also think, um, cause it was kind of repeating an experience. Mm -hmm. So we're expatting for the first time in London and that was an expat experience. So we're out of, you know, the U S and then I think it, we call it like a first love experience and from all the other expat, you know, I'm in, like I said, a lot of expat mom circles and stuff from what I've heard is, you know, your first expats experience is like your first love. Like you just love it. So if you did it here, maybe if I would have done it here and moved to London second, it would have been yeah. a different story because it's just, wow, I'm outside of the U S and I'm doing it and I have all this confidence and, um, you know, it's, it, it's your first love. It's the first big change that you did and you accomplished. So that makes sense. It makes a lot of yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, one question that, that popped to my mind, how different is network moving into a new country, right? Networking in Europe versus networking here. And I tell you why I ask it mm -hmm. because I somehow thought it would be easier in Europe 
because you are born there, you have the same uh, yeah, culture, you yeah. have the same history. But then coming here, and I'm, I've only been here a month and something, mm -hmm. if you reach out to people, and I've reached out for the podcast and everything, they tend to reply faster and they, ten they, they, they tend to do this networking. I don't know. It's, it, yeah. it feels like it moves quicker here. Quicker. But you've been here a longer time. Mm -hmm. So how does it feel for you? Was it easier in, in uh, London or was it easier here in Singapore? Um, in Europe, we moved to Richmond and Richmond... Um, didn't have a lot of Americans in it because we didn't want to do the typical American, you know, go to Starbucks and go to the American school and do all the typical American things. Cause this was like a new experience. And I was like, this is a chance. Cause it's a country that speaks our own language. We can move, you know, move to a place where there's different cultures mm -hmm. and still be okay. So, so yeah, we moved to Richmond and then I did meet friends that were in, I did meet some English friends and I met a French friend and a, you know, Canadian friend and an Italian friend and all that. But it's funny because on our street, um, there was a little pub and we used to go to the pub every Friday. And the people from there that ended up being my best friends were three girls from Chicago that lived in <laughs> Richmond, which I was trying to avoid. <laughs> but I think you kind of find each other even yeah. when you're in circles where you, you, they were all trying to do the same thing. They were thinking, oh, this is a, such a cool, you know, diverse little English town and we don't want to do the American thing. But of course that's who I still talk to them. I talked yeah. to them this morning. I mean, we all have like a little video chat. And so they're three of my best friends from there. Um, so it was easy, but I think I saw it was the reason it was easy there was because I found people like me really mm -hmm. fast. And so we were kind of bonding over the same thing. So then when we came to Singapore, it was more of, um, the kids were at an age where they were kind of sad about leaving. Um, they were sad about leaving their friends and they, you know, they had other friends that didn't matter for them, their friends, they didn't have any American friends. All their friends were English or, um, other European countries. But when we moved to Singapore, we were, we wanted to plug and play. We wanted just, you know, let's do SAS, the Singapore American school. Cause mm -hmm. we wanted, you know, we were trying the boys the, were at an age where they understood. So we wanted them to be on more on board with the move. So let's do American school. We moved to a big condo building that has, is notorious mm -hmm. for, you know, housing Americans. And, um, so it was kind of the exact opposite of the you know, but I kind of knew where I would probably end up anyway. And it's not that I don't enjoy other cultures and I have friends in all different cultures, but I think in the end, we kind of seek out people that are like us and that's who we kind of bond with. And, um, yeah, maybe it's because it's easier, just easier yeah, to connect. It's right. Right. And, and yeah. we kind of know, I think one interesting thing about expatting in general is, and groups of friends and people that do it. It's almost like a college experience. Mm -hmm. You get really, really deep relationships because people are vulnerable, vulnerable, vulnerable yeah. <laughs> and they want to go there because they know. And next year I can go there with you because you're going to be gone. You're not going to be my neighbor for 20 years. So you can go on vacation. You can do these things because you know what, if you, I think in the back of your mind, it's kind of like the safety net, like, mm -hmm you know, whatever, we're just going to go all in. We're going to be best friends because you're going to be moving to Texas. I'm going to be in Illinois or, you know, you know, you're not going to be next to them for 20 some years where I think like if we were in a United States suburb, you know, you in kind the same of neighborhood, same, same neighborhood, people, yeah. you might have more walls up and you may not have that deep of relationship with mm -hmm. someone. So yeah, yeah. Makes, uh, makes, yeah. I, I never thought of it like, uh, like that, but there is something to it now yeah, that I think about definitely. it. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. We definitely go all in. And so some of my best friends I've made, and I think, you know, my best friends for life were my expat friends. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> <laughs> anything that you see that works across cultures, because everyone is, especially in the business world, right? They all talk about, yeah, if you go to Japan, then, then you have to behave like this. If you go to China, mm -hmm. behave like this. If you go to the U.S., then uh, it's more uh, direct and behave right. like this. You go to the Netherlands, just uh, make everyone will ask you very personal questions. Right. So behave like this. Right. Is there anything that works across cultures that you say, wherever you are, mm -hmm. this just works in building right. your network or making it happen or just, right. yeah. Um, I think... Adapting faster. Yeah. Sorry. Right. No, no, no. Um, I understand what you're saying in terms of like, yeah, trying to get relationships mm -hmm. built because every culture has different ways they accept people into their culture. I think it helps, um, being an American. I think that it's such a, it's a culture that 
comes with a lot of pros and cons. Cause I think people look at you and they, they associate all the negative things about America with you, but then everybody knows about America. So it's easy to be yourself. I don't, my accent, I never try to change it. I never try to not act who I am if I'm around other people, because you know, they're either going to hate it or love it or whatever, but they know what to expect. So I find, you know, you know, some, you know, it's for some people, I think with, with other cultures, they may be more reserved when they're, I, I don't, I, I don't know if you understand like for Europeans, maybe if they're interacting with someone, they might not have as much, um, charisma or be themselves because it's not really, you know, mm-hmm. they're kind of t- trying to conform. But I think, um, I guess it's one pro about being American. You kind of just, your accent will come out wherever you're okay. at. So people have to accept it. Like they know who you are. You're not going to try to hide it. And I think it's, you're able to be yourself. And like I said, I think people, I don't have to worry if people are going to like or hate it. Cause I mm-hmm. think they've already made, sometimes they've already made up their mind if they're going to be open to it or not. I especially found that in London. I felt like, you know, the American accent is one of the harshest sounds I've read that Londoners can hear. They don't want to hear it. And even when I would hear it, like in the subway, I'd be, Oh gosh, you know, I just can't stand it. But you either, you know, like I said, you're either open to them or you're not. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I didn't have to hide it. So I felt like going in, it was easy to make relationships there. So make it work. Mm-hmm. So pretty much is just be yourself. Yes. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. That's how it works. It's always worked for me, but I also think it's where, like I was talking mm-hmm. about where I came from a small farm town. Um, I wasn't trying with, I you know, 10 kids in my class or whatever. There wasn't a lot of popular kids and not pop, you know, I just kind of, you're just kind of all family and you just, you are who you are. And, um, there's a lot of autonomy in mm-hmm. a small town where you can just go out on your bike and, you know, we never have phones and we were just riding all around town, you'd be home at dark. And so I feel like that gave me a lot of confidence Mm -hmm. as well. Just, you know, not, I think that's one thing we worry about with our kids, you know, like not so much in Singapore, but you know, when we go back to the U S and in London about the safety issue, it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to check in, you have to do this, you have to do this. My mom and dad didn't know where I was at, but you know, it was a different day and age and, um, different way yeah. to raise the kids, I guess. London is uh, 11 million people and a lot of come and go and, uh, yes. I mean, crime rate wise crime, yeah. versus, versus Singapore. Is, right. Right. And even the old neighborhood compare. we lived yeah. in Tommy's our Tommy's 11, but kids, you know, ages 12 and 13 are, you know, getting held up mm-hmm. with knives and, you know, things taken from them. Yeah. And so I think Singapore is kind of a bubble and, it's something that we, we loved being here because we like the bubble, but at the same time, yeah, they're not going to probably stay on this Island forever. So (laughs) (laughs) what we found when we moved around, so we always thought that cross cultures making a joke and smiling would always work. Yes. But we found out that it works differently. So in Romania, we always joke. That's, that's typical, our culture. Mm -hmm. We laugh about ourselves. We laugh about others. Everyone is laughing. We went to France. It doesn't really work that way. British humor is different, but still there's humor. Right. We came here and we tried jokes and they, they, it was just, yeah. We're still trying to find the right, right, kind of joke. right, 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 right. I think that's right. Yeah. Cause we thought it works across cultures. Right. And we figured out that uh, maybe not. I know. Yeah. I kind of know what you mean. Like I've, I'm picturing myself in elevators here mm-hmm. and like, you know, these awkward moments where yeah. you're just, and I think for me, I don't. I never think about it, but a lot of, sometimes people don't laugh or they don't even say anything. And I just walk out the elevator and it, it doesn't even, yeah. like I said, because I'm like American, I'm like, oh, they don't like me. So I, it doesn't even cross my mind. I don't think about that interaction or relationship. I don't even think a second thought about yeah. it, but it happens it, now. Like when I think about when I interact with people like that, because coming from a small town, if, if someone's hello. crossing, you know, I don't do it as much anymore, but the, the funniest thing was when I was in London and I, uh, you know, started, uh, coming across people on a path or running or whatever. I'd smile and say good morning and they're turning around. Yeah. Who are you talking, who are you talking to? <laughs> like they, you just don't do that. Mm-hmm. And so now I've, I've kind of, you know, reined it in a little bit. You can't be like miss happy go lucky from the Midwest. Like you were to everybody, but at the same time, you know, you just kind of be who you are and if they um, like it, they like it. And I, I agree. We, no we, sweat if they don't. <laughs> in Romania with foreign people, not, not foreigners, but just people you don't know, you don't, sometimes you say hello, sometimes you don't. You go to France, you just don't do it. 
You go to the Netherlands, everyone says hello and everyone smiles. Okay, I would probably and then, get there. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> come here and you're, lear- and you're learning and relearning and it's, it's, it can get like, okay, uh, am I saying hello in the elevator here? Right. It's a British guy, so right. maybe they will say right. back. <laughs> <laughs> you but always start with the people, smile yeah. and if they smile back, you can say good morning yes. maybe. It's kind of like reading that. Yeah. <laughs> I know the exact feeling, but yeah, I guess I don't think so much about it. I kind of, I laugh when it's, mm-hmm. you know, when people get stunned, if you're just good morning. And when my parent forget it, when my mom, oh my goodness, when my mom, when we were living outside of New York city, I remember we were taking the train into the city one morning. It's all the businessmen and my mom gets on and she's like, and the guy in the suit's like, the same thing. Like, who are you, who are you waving at? She's like, I'm just saying good morning. Yeah, anyway, exactly. Good morning. <laughs> you know, it's just, my parents are the, you know, they just smile and say hi to everyone, but they've never been out of sight of a small town. So. On the other hand, I was, I had a podcast with a friend on building habits, right? Uh, it's still yet to come, but, uh, because we had a hard time processing it here, but, um, we were talking about build, uh, building habits, like reading books. And at some point I said, look, why don't we build habits on saying hello? to people yeah or saying goodbye yeah or just or just smaller things that would make our lives right. so much better just smiling right. and and rather than going to the gym reading a book okay let's start right let's start with the basics right because sometimes we forget we are human and we live in the same right. space and we just it's nice right. to say hello and smile right, right. exactly <laughs> i think the, positivity. i think it's hard so much harder than mm-hmm. these days with the uh you know, obviously the technology and the phones, because yeah. we, you know, just driving by a bus stop, we were just pointing out to the kids one time, like you look at like 10 people at the bus stop and everyone's like this, or if you don't have that, I think there was just, maybe it's a cultural thing too, but, and the, you know, I just feel like if you don't have that, there's just yeah. more, more ways to interact, but I'm, I'm totally guilty of it. And, you know, I'm sure you are too. It's just for sure. what you, you do. You learn the ways of the, of the new culture. That's mm-hmm. how I, that's how I feel. You have to adapt and right. it's not them who are going to change. You, it's you that has to have to, uh, you have to change. Right. So, um, right. Did you have to give anything up culturally wise or behaviorally wise because you moved into different countries and said that ah, this doesn't work anymore? Um, I'm trying to think if when we moved to London. No, I feel like, well, the, it, mm-hmm. just the part of what we were just saying, you know, just saying hello or smiling at someone. Um, maybe it's taking a little bit more reserved tone of voice mm-hmm. with different people. Um, patience because every culture works different in terms of getting settled, you know, whether it's bank accounts and phones and, you know, True. cable people, you know, and like the U S works in a way different system than does the UK than does here. And so I think that, culturally for me is the hardest thing Mm -hmm. every time we move is just getting settled and learning. Like, I feel like in Singapore, it's like there's, it happens and the people are smart and they care. They're maybe not as friendly. Mm -hmm. I feel like deep down they are good people, but I feel like it's step by step by step, you know, like just getting, um, registered for something Mm -hmm. or getting, you know, it's always a process and it works. It totally Mm -hmm. works and people will help you along the way, but it's not like in the U S where the customer service is through the roof. And if it doesn't happen, you can, you know, write in this complaint Mm -hmm. and do this and do this. And people have, you know, so much more say. Um, and then in the UK, I felt like sometimes I felt like the people just didn't care, (laughs) you know, the customer service, you know, I'm just thinking about setting everything up when you move. I'm like the cable. Like I I remember crying on the phone and Nick and I were on the phone, just trying to open a bank account because you can't get a phone. If you don't have a bank account, you can't get a bank account if you don't have a phone and Nick's out of the country and we still don't have cable. And, you know, I have these kids and I remember crying, like crying to the lady at DBS, like I, because Nick couldn't pass his security questions because we were just trying to set an appointment. Well, that's yes. all we wanted. Just the appointment to get me into, to get a bank account. And the lady, the lady's like, he asking him all these security questions. He must have answered three weeks prior when he opened the account and he still couldn't pass them. And so I just remember like in the U S I don't, this would never happen. Like, yeah, it's me. I promise. And I'm like, I just remember on the phone, like crying saying, are they going to ask for the ID number off your the bracelet that you went home from the hospital in is that the last question? Cause we don't know all these answers. Like, <laughs> but I think it's just those process that was so Did crying help. What? No, 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 no. no. In I France think, it would have. 
Okay. Oh, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Crying and complaining helps. (laughs) Yeah. I felt like it was just the same rote response. I'm sorry, ma'am, but (laughs) you have to answer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We have to have you answer the security. So we had to wait. I mean, it all got, it all happened, but it was just culturally, I think that was a big, Mm -hmm. a big change for us. Um, yeah. So moving a bit to a different topic, but still Mm -hmm. on change. I think one of the biggest, maybe, for mm-hmm. you was career change. Oh. Because you were kind of settled, I imagine, yes. in the U.S. So yes. Yeah. How did the shift happen? Um, so I was, I'm a speech-to-language pathologist, and so that's what I got my master's mm-hmm. in, so six years of school. And um, so I worked, you know, I've worked in schools and a little hospital and a little, um And then I do like birth to three, like home services. Mm -hmm. So I contract with different departments in the state departments in the U S and so, yeah, I did have my own kind of business. I think the thing though, that changed that more so than moving around was having children. Mm -hmm. So I think that really put a stop. And I think obviously there's millions of mothers that can relate to that. Um, and so then I went to part-time, so it kind of eased me into like when we moved to London, then I couldn't practice because it was a huge deal to get my license there. And we didn't know how long we'd be mm-hmm. there and it was going to cost, you know, so we just didn't invest the time. Um, so I think like the fact that, uh, we had kids really kind of eased me into that. Cause I wasn't working, you know, that was such a huge change and I was only working part-time then. And then when we moved to London, um, I ended up doing something I've always wanted to do. So it was a good positive thing. I started teaching, you know, fitness classes Mm -hmm. and making zero money and teaching Zumba, you know, a Latin American dancing. (laughs) That was super, super fun. And it was something I always have wanted to do, but it was, I knew it wasn't lucrative. And Mm -hmm. I thought, well, this is the time to do it. You know, the kids were starting to go back to school and I had a little more time and I just wanted to see, can I do this? And I could, I did. I started a little class and I rented a room and I didn't make a lot of money. I didn't make any money probably. <laughs> but if you calculate all the money I spent on the clothes and the, the coffee, but, um, I really, really enjoyed it. So, and now, um, I'm thinking about getting back into, I, I have been here. I've been working cause there's the Singapore American school. So I've been able to do a little work there and, um, but I've been tinkering with, I know it's good money, you know, working at the school and I like being around the kids, but I think some of my, I just want to want a little bit more fun, something more fun, something I'm passionate about, you know, keeping people fit and exercise and dancing and just adding a little spice to life before I get too old. So <laughs> this is the beautiful side, the pink side of the story. Yeah. What's the dark side of the story? With, Be- with, oh, with career wise. Right. Career. Right. Until you get to the point where you decide, Hey, I'm going to do what I love the most, right. fitness, right? Or I'm going uh, working here, right? Before you get into that, mm-hmm. so move and before you actually find something else to do besides kids, right? Right. How does it go? What are the feelings in between? Um. So, like when I'm moving, and then just trying to figure out, like settling, but not being able to do it, what I want to do, exactly. like in a new place, exactly. Yeah, I I guess I think it is. I mean, it's, it's hard. I think it's hard for me to relate because I, I know I can do my career anywhere Mm -hmm. in the speech pathology. Mm -hmm. Like I said, in London, I couldn't, but it was kind of a different time anyway with the kids being young. But I, I know that when we go back to the U S or wherever we move, that it's something that transfers everywhere. Mm -hmm. Everyone is, you you can always fall back. Right. I can always fall back on it. Even if, um, and it's not something, I mean, I'm passionate about it, mm-hmm. but it's probably, I feel like there's other things that I want to do when the kids get older mm-hmm. that maybe, be, you know, maybe aren't maybe in that field. I don't know. I haven't really figured it out yet, but it's not something I'm, you know, oh, just waiting mm-hmm. to get back to. I loved it. And I love the kids and I love the idea of the job. It's helping people communicate. I mean, what? Yeah. There's so much, you know, great, uh, the value add is uh, right, right, right. So whether it's a, you know, 18 month old baby, just working on eye contact or, um, you know, someone, uh, older child that stutters or anything, just communication. I, I love the idea of it, but it is hard, hard work and it's emotional. Mm -hmm. So I think having the kids and, you know, when we had children and I got away from it for a while, I think that was a welcome break. You know, I was kind of in a little burnout Mm -hmm. stage. So, um, 
yeah, I feel like I, I've never thought about moving and not being able to do that because okay. I know, I feel like wherever we move, I'll be able to dive back into that in some shape or form. And if not, I feel like I'm confident enough that there's something else there for me. So say we moved to mm-hmm. Africa and I couldn't do it or I'm, we're not going to move to Africa, but, <laughs> but for, 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 for your point, like if I what, couldn't yeah. do it somewhere, if I, you know, like a lot of women move around and they can't mm-hmm. do their jobs. I feel like I would have value add to other things mm-hmm. that are going on, whether it's a philanthropy or if I'm doing, um, you know, free exercise classes mm-hmm. for something, or yeah. I feel like there's other places and I have enough confidence in myself and my passions that there would be other places that I could make a difference. So what's the process you go through? So you keep yourself not going through those dark moments when you maybe don't necessarily have a meaning, but you have to keep it cool, whether it's right. for the family, right. for yourself, just to keep the self with all the going change. and all the change and everything. Yes. Where do you get your strength from? Right. Because yeah. I think this is something that people need to understand when they mm-hmm. go through, through this kind of right. change. I, how, how do you, yeah. So I think keep it cool. So <laughs> what I, I was thinking about this, um, cause we briefly had a conversation. This would be about change. So I kind of was thinking how, <clears throat> how does it work for me? Cause we've had, we've been through so much. Um, my dad, when I was younger, I remember I was in college, um, and I was running a marathon, my mm-hmm. first marathon and it was dark. We were driving to the marathon. And I remember my dad had to like, let me out on the road because you, know, my mom and dad were there and I had to run to the start. Cause it was like traffic jam and you know, 5am. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. And he is like, why are you so nervous? You just have to put one foot in front of the other. That's literally what you do in a marathon. It's just literally, it's one foot in front of the other. It's super, super easy, right? Like, why should I be scared of that? I can do that. I've done it before. Or I mean, not that long, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, people do it every day. Yeah. It's one foot in front of the other. And so I think that I think about that all the time, like just one day at a time, it's just mm-hmm. one foot in front of the other. You have such a, you know, you're moving across the world and you have children and you have a huge change coming up and is it going to be good for them? Is it not going to be good? Just one day at a time. It's just one foot in front of the other. It's going to work. And I think I also go back to, um, you know, I kind of stay in a space where I know, you know, my husband, Nick is super smart and, <laughs> You know, he's very, he's very good at change. Uh, well, he, he, he's good at doing change. Sometimes he handles it in different ways, but I trust him to make really good choices. And so when we make a choice and he's on board, I know that it's a good choice. So I think having a good, strong relationship, um, and seeing others do it. So I see other, you know, I've seen, we're not moving to a place where no other, Mm -hmm. you know, Americans have ever moved before with their family. So I think if it was like that, I'd be a little more scared, but there's expats all over the world and they're doing it in way more exotic places. And for things like big, big, scary things that are scary in my life, like giving birth or having your first child and, um, not really knowing what to do. (laughs) Yes. Not knowing what to do. I go back to this thing. Well, you know, not what the worst, it's not what the worst can happen, but what, so many other people have done this before me and have done totally fine. Whether You don't have to be the best and you're not going to be the worst. You don't have to be the best. And if other people can do it, like, you know, I hate to say it, but like mm-hmm. the dumbest person on the world will give birth or, you know, if it's something yeah. like that, like I can do it. Like, you know, there's people all around the world and I'm, I'm probably on a scale and I'm hoping I fall on, you know, somewhere and I'm in a country with that. Yeah, is on a scale and I'm on this side of the scale. So I feel like even if I pass out and do nothing, like things will happen and everything will be okay. Like I, you know, so I feel like I always go back to, you know, the people that Mm -hmm. surround me and then how many people have done this before. So I know that I, that's what I look at and where I'm at in that whole picture. How do you go about learning the new skill? Because when you moved to London, you didn't do your job anymore, right? Right. Teaching Zumba. I, I know it, it might <laughs> yeah. feel like very easy, but yeah. it's a totally different Totally different to skill. Yeah, yes. it was. It was. Even and doing philanthropies are totally different skills. Right. So how, how much time does it take you to learn the new stuff? And where do you go to for education or just right. knowing who's who, how right. you get around? Right. Um, it was a lot of just discovering it on my own. So I wanted to 
you know, I, I thought, well, I have a master's degree and I know to teach Zumba, you need like a couple certificates. Right. So, um, but I did need a fitness certificate. So I just kind of got online and I said, what's one that travels worldwide, mm -hmm. you know, just, I think the internet helps with everything because you can just Google and there's great information and, um, I don't know how people did it before moving to other countries and trying to reinvent themselves, but I just, you know, it was a lot of discovery. And then, um, I think it has a lot of, I didn't have a lot of confidence. Like it's so funny because I think about the money I make with speech pathology and the money I made for Zumba, I was way more insecure about doing changing careers and doing mm -hmm. Zumba because, or doing a fitness class because I didn't have as much training and I'd never done it before. And I'm older and most of the crowd coming in is younger and, um, it was scary, but I felt like it's part of, you know, just keeping young and keeping yourself growing in different ways. So is it harder to get accepted when you make this kind of career changes when you're older? Cause you've already done it and you've done it mm -hmm. several times. Mm -hmm. Did you find it easier when you were younger or do you find um, it just I think as easy? Yeah. I think it's easier when you're younger because <clears throat> I mean, well, especially with the fitness, a lot more people are younger that are going into fitness and because it's not really super lucrative unless you're a personal mm -hmm. trainer and you have tons of clients. And, um, so it was more of a passion. I had to look at it like, this isn't my first job. This isn't my, you know, it's, it is a job, but it's not like I have to do it to support the kids. Yeah. And I think that's a big difference from me to a lot of people who are changing careers is my career was not supporting my family. Mm -hmm. So I had the luxury of kind of finding a passion that I wanted to do. And maybe I lost, even lost money on it, but my husband was supportive. And as long as I was happy and, um, it wasn't something that, you know, I don't think I would have gone into it had I known I didn't have the support from Nick and, mm -hmm. you know, that, that safety net of, uh, him bringing the income in and supporting the family. So, yeah, I think, I think that's, that is important when mm -hmm. you make changes to have mm -hmm. something to fall back on because you're right. trying, especially at an older age. Right. And the, I was discussing with Yuri two days ago on the other podcast and he said the same. So he basically moved from an oil and gas company to doing this IOT digital identity, mm -hmm. which is very, very different. He right. Was in, he wasn't just purchasing uh, on the other side. Right. So he had, to, he had to go out and become a freelancer. And then he said, yeah, you do need at least what, somewhere a year or something so right. we can try and right. you have something to fall back on, but right. still. Right. You need some security because right. you're no longer right. in the care not. of your parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing you have to, it's, you have to have something to fall back on if it doesn't work out. And for me, it was, you know, I, I had a husband that had a job and if I didn't work, it was fine. And mm -hmm. if I did, you know, yeah. it was just a bonus for me. You, but yeah. you do need to have some, yeah. some, uh, some options. Yeah. Right. And the same here, like I'm working a lot here, but, um, I don't have to. And sometimes Nick, my husband tells me not to, he's like, the, you're gone, you know, 13, 14 hours a day, but I feel like it's good to have an identity and it's good <clears throat> to have a purpose. And I feel like I appreciate then the times I'm not working as much. So is it important to find a purpose and a meaning? Because yeah. psychologists talk about it, right? Right. But then you have people who say, no, it's not that important because right. Yeah, you, you can just live, uh, go uh, sit at the swimming pool, watch TV and whatever. Right. Whereas psychologists and research usually say it is important to have yeah. meaning, it is important to have purpose. I feel like, I feel like it is. And I feel like it's just kind of depends on the type of life that you enjoy living. Mm -hmm. Some people don't enjoy, you know, they're not go-getters and they don't want to go mm -hmm. out and like, you know, change the world or, you know, do something different or seek out a new career. Um and then I feel like some, I think it is important for, I think some people age faster if they're not keeping yep. it fresh, you know? So I see, I, I see some of the people I know back in the U S and kind of doing the same, same every day. And, you know, and I think for us, it's been the, the unique thing has been like the travel and mm -hmm. like keeping it exciting for us and the kids and, um, being able to change every few years. And I think that's not a purpose, but I think it's, um, something that we've, you know, we, that we're trying to instill in the kids is be mm -hmm. able to adapt to change and things like that. But I just think it depends on the person. I feel like some people are happy. Like I, okay. I can think of a handful of people I know that are totally happy in their life. And, you know, I think a lot of, it depends on the person's personality and do they have other issues in their life? Maybe they have a health struggle or a mental health struggle. 
Um, and that's enduring and that's something that will be there their whole life. And they, you know, maybe they're not going to be one of these people that goes out and finds purpose, purpose, purpose. They're just trying to make it day to day, you know, and if they can have a good day with their family and sit at the pool and read their book and that is good enough for them. And I think that's amazing, but I think there's other people out there that, you know, if they don't have those other factors that are impeding, Mm -hmm. um, you know, impeding what they want to do, they need to get out there and find it because people do get bored. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. find it as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, or at least I do get bored. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, so I'd say not everybody, but I think it depends mm-hmm. on the point in your life. And I think it depends on the person and what other things they have going on. So if you are to think of the top three lessons for you that you've learned throughout your life, dealing with change, moving from place to place, what would be the top three that you say, I always carry this with me? Dealing with change. Oh gosh, this is tough on the spot. Well, I think we can, I can reflect on our conversation. So be yourself. Okay. As long as you keep that in mind. Um, And if you're happy with yourself, you know, if you're as a person, I think always, uh, be yourself, um, for change. Let's see. Know that, you know, tomorrow's put one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good lesson. Just if it's a huge change, you're just like my dad said, it's like marathon. You're just putting one foot in front of the other and going moment to moment. Um, and number three, know that you're not the only one. So everybody else in the world is going through change all the time. It's, it's every day is changing. Every moment is changing. And, um, no matter what kind of change you're probably experiencing, someone else has probably experienced something <laughs> worse or bigger, or, you know, just kind of putting everything in perspective like that. So, um, I think, yeah, those are three good those things. Those to think back and review and hopefully they covered all the pieces. <laughs> would it be the same thing you would say to a kid? Yeah. I think those are really simple steps. One foot in front of the other, just take it, you know, yeah. breathe. Like I do little breathing exercises with my kids and I'm like, don't think about that. Just let's breathe, focus on the breath. One foot in front of the other. I tell the kids that, um, yeah. And I always tell them they're not alone, right? They're not, there's other kids, um, that are going through, you know, I think I mentioned before, one of my sons has, uh, um, type one diabetes, which is a, you know, lifelong disease he'll have forever. And it's really tough, but I always tell him like, there's other kids out there. Every person in the world has their thing. That's one of my things I always tell him. Everybody has their thing. Like if you don't, you have this now, but your friends, it looks like they don't have anything, but they're going to have their thing and their family has their thing. And if they don't, then you don't know them well enough Mm because everybody has a thing in their life. It's no one's going to go through life without something major, something that will be um, that impactful. So, um, and then the third, what was my first one? (laughs) (laughs) I think we went, I think we went through all of them. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So yeah, I think there's simple little things to tell the kids. So I think it would probably be, about the same. Oh, be yourself. That was the other one. Yeah. Totally. Um, especially kids. Cause they are, you know, they're so innocent. So if they are themselves, then yeah. So I think it's good to be, to learn how to be yourself in different, uh, in different worlds. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you would like to say about change that maybe I didn't ask you? Jeez. Um, I think just embracing it. So like when I said we got here, um, it was very, I was very homesick because of the, you know, the people's faces and the accents. And, and then I started to embrace the culture. I thought, well, I'm not going to change it. This is where we're at for a while. Um, you know, I thought of all, all the things we just talked about putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, other people have done this, I can do this. Um, but the other part I did was embrace the culture. And so I, you know, um, we touched on the meditation. I started doing a lot of meditation mm-hmm. classes. And so, 
Um, I think that's helped deal with this change. So I think, um, that's a big part of, you know, I thought, well, I'm moving to Southeast Asia and I'm not going to like pick this really cool thing they've been doing for millions of years here up. Like that would be, mm -hmm. you know, a waste. So I started doing that, um, and embracing the culture in other ways, you know, just exploring the going and traveling to the places that, you know, we came here to see and, um, really thinking about, and I do this a lot, thinking about the culture of the Asian people and, um, you know, they're very different than me. And sometimes it's frustrating. And, um, sometimes, you know, they're different in a good way or in a bad way, but why they are the way they are and just being interested in it and, you know, wondering about it. So kind of leaving that open and embracing it all. One of the things that I always like to do is, um, just keep little things of the day the same. So mm -hmm. whether like when we go travel to an exotic place or we're moving to a new place, like the kids and I, one thing we do at night is we read and I read to them. I read, right. We're doing the Harry Potter, Harry Potter series. And that's, you know, so no matter where we are in the world, if we're visiting back in the U S or if we're visiting back in London or if we're traveling, you know, to Thailand or we're moving back mm -hmm. or whatever, they know every night they're going to get that book. You have, they have certain routines. Yeah. They get, so they there's a routine. Yeah. yeah. And so that's comforting, I think for them. So that's for the kids. And like, for me, maybe it's, um, a TV show that I like, you know, I like some dumb TV shows. And so I know that whether anywhere in the world I am, if they have Wi-Fi or if I have you it on my computer, it. I can watch my dumb TV, even if it's, it sounds ridiculous, mm -hmm. but you have that comfort at the end of the day or, you know, it's the same, like yeah. maybe wearing uh, the blanket that yes. uh, your grandmother gave you. Yes. <laughs> yes. You have your same pajamas yeah. or your blanket yeah. or whatever. And then like in the morning you have your cup of coffee. Like I always think of that as just something like anywhere in the world you go, you could, if you like coffee, you can have your cup of coffee and like, it doesn't matter where you're at and that stays the same. So it's like, if you're having a really hard day and the change is hard and you know, mm -hmm. you're just trying to get settled, you have those little things throughout the day that you can just look forward to. And that reminds you that you're still you and you still have your relationships and um, you still have that's going to stay. So some, some parts of your life are stable. Yes. Yes. So, so you just look forward to those little bits yeah. if you're having a hard time. That's so good. That's yeah. 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 With, with, yeah. It's very funny because I never thought of it, but I, I do the same. So I need my 45 minutes in the morning with yeah. coffee yes. and breakfast yes. and just wherever I am, it's the same. Yes. Yeah. It just feels same. like I do a yeah, run a too. Yeah. Like I go on, I run and yeah. I run every, almost every day and no matter where I'm in the world that can happen. Yeah. So if I can strap, put my shoes on and get out and do that, then it's same, same. It's a great day. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. All right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>